Welcome each of you this morning to our service and to our campuses. We give a warm welcome to the campuses that are joining with us via satellite this morning. And uh, again, as we had mentioned, uh, Pastor Mark is not here with us. He's in California. But in a few moments, we're going to have Pastor Joel, who coordinates the mission work here through Celebration Church and has been one of our teaching pastors, come and he's going to share God's word. But before he does, let me invite all of us here at this campus and all the other campuses to stand with me and let's together recite the Apostles' Creed, the one thing that we do as a church at all our campuses together. Join with me as we declare this truth together. We believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Pastor Joel, if you would come. Open up your hearts to God's word this morning as Pastor Joel shares it with us. God bless you. Good morning. So a little while back, my family was getting ready to have dinner together, and my wife had made spaghetti, you know, the noodles with the red sauce, and she had had a long day. She was exhausted, so she went to bed to take a nap, just said, you guys eat, so it was myself and my three kids. So I came up with this kind of cool idea. I said, all right, kids, everybody grab an end of the spaghetti noodle, and I said, and then dip it in the red sauce, and then swallow it, but hold on to the end of the noodle, and then pull it back out. Because you can feel it. It's a science experiment. You can feel it come out, you know? So then it kind of turned into a game. We'd put it in. We'd dip it in the red sauce. you swallow it. you pull it back out. And we began to have a contest. Whose would come out the most white, you know, after the red sauce gets taken off? So we're doing this, you know. And as would be around the dinner table, the competition kind of escalates. And then we start trying to tie spaghetti noodles together at the end for a longer one that goes out longer, two or three. And then my son decides that he's going to get like eight of these noodles, put them together and do eight all at one time. So he grabs eight of them, gets it all in the red sauce, he swallows. And as he begins to try to pull them out, of course, he begins to gag. He's choking on spaghetti now. So I jump up from my seat at the kitchen table, and I knock over the marinara sauce. I run over to him. I'm hitting him on his back. And all this commotion wakes up my wife. So she wakes up from her nap, and she comes into the kitchen. She sees spaghetti all over. She sees me over my son hitting his back. He's kind of puking up the spaghetti. And she stops, and she doesn't look at the kids. She looks at me. And she echoes those infamous words wives have often said to their husbands, Joel, when are you going to grow up? (laughs) Here's the deal. That, I think, is something, not as a frustrated spouse or as an angry parent, that God wants to echo to us. When are you going to grow up? We've heard those words before, either because we do stupid things like I do, Or we've heard them from angry parents because we haven't achieved some kind of level of status. God doesn't say it in that way. He says it in a completely different way. He says it as a generous father who wants to give us so much, but he can't. And he whispers from heaven, when are you going to grow up? 
Open your Bibles to me, Hebrews chapter 5. The good news is we're not the only people who face this dilemma. We're not the only ones who sometimes struggle with our growing up. It happened in the New Testament church. So God addressed this in this passage. What does it mean to really grow up? And are you growing? Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. When are you going to grow up? And a question that would come out of that is, well, who's our role model? I'm sure when Jesus asked this of the disciples, they would say, well, who do we follow? In the New Testament times, it was an obvious answer. You know, if I want to be a superstar, a sports superstar, you know, I'm going to get a jersey that says Kobe on it or Favre or something like that. If I want to be a, a genius in, in, in the stock market, you know, I'll get a jersey that says Warren Buffett on it. I'm not sure if they make these jerseys, but I'd get one like that. Want to get into technology? You've got these role models we can follow. How did they get to that status? Who is the role model for spiritual growth? In the New Testament, it was really obvious. The role model for spiritual growth is a group of people called Pharisees. You'd look at them and everybody in the New Testament said, that's what it means to be grown up. And even today, we would probably say the same thing. Now, Jesus looked at them and said, no, that is not what it is. But we would look at them differently based upon how the Bible describes them. Because in the New Testament, it describes these Pharisees. It says things like they would cross over the sea just to win one convert. When was the last time you walked across the street to share Jesus with somebody? It says that every time the church was open, they were there early in the front row, ready to listen and hear everything. They understood and had the word practically memorized. They prayed faithfully. Everything we look at as being that grown-up Christian, they seem to resemble that. They were so obedient in their tithing that if they had their own garden in the back of their house, they would take a tenth of their vegetables and make sure that they gave that. They were that meticulous. And the New Testament disciples and the New Testament followers would say, that's what it means to be grown up. But Jesus would say, no, I don't want that to be your role model. And he didn't want them to be the role model so strongly that he told this story about how a Pharisee and kind of a humble man went to the temple to pray. And this humble man bows his head in humility and he says, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And then Jesus says, you know that role model, you think the person who's the role model? He actually stands up and he says, thank God I'm not like him. Thank you, Lord, you didn't make me like him. And points at the humble man. Jesus says, that is not your moral model. He doesn't want the disciples looking to the Pharisees. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we understand this question, when are you going to grow up? But what does it really mean to grow up? I think we have the wrong understanding of growth because maybe we have the wrong view of God. We define growth by how am I going to fix myself? Those things I do wrong that I don't want anybody else to know about, how do I fix those? Then I'll be growing up. How do I put a lot of effort into positioning myself where I can impress God with my spirituality? And if we're honest, we may look a lot more like the Pharisees than we'd like to admit. Friends, Jesus didn't die at the hands of muggers and rapists 
even Muslim terrorists. He died at the hands, the clean hands, of very spiritual, religious leaders who were perceived to be the grown-up ones. So God says, when are you going to grow up? But what does it mean? Look at this passage, verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, anybody who's not grown up, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You see, growing up isn't about more rules or regulations to follow. It's knowing who you are in Christ. It's discovering who you are in Jesus and who He is in you. That He is to be encountered today. Not after you've read the right books, prayed long enough, memorized the right verses, gone to the right conferences, followed the right rules, met with all the right people. Growing up is really discovering simply who you are in Jesus. We have to do what I call live beyond the list. Every one of us has a list. Some of our lists may be long, some of them may be short, but it's still a list. It's that checklist of says, okay, if I do this list, then I'm kind of growing up. The Pharisees had a list. When I grew up as a little kid back then, Christianity 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago in America, our lists were really long. Remember those long lists, those of you who grew up in the church? You had to dress a certain way, you had to talk a certain way, you had to wear neckties, you had to do all this kind of stuff. The lists have gotten a lot shorter, but they can still be a list. Which means it's not really about growing up. We have to live beyond that kind of a list. When I was pastoring, I had a man in my church, and he was the ideal church member. He served in all different kinds of capacities. He was always there. He worked hard. He was faithful. And I remember thinking how he was just this ideal church member until one day at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from him. And whenever you get a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know something's up. And he said, Joel, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take my life. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Here was a man that I thought really had it together, was grown up on the verge of suicide. I ran over to his house. We sat and talked through the night, able to get him out of that, get him into help. And he he ended up getting healed and growing on. But you know what his issue was? Everything that I perceived as this guy's really grown up, in his mind and heart, was a list of what he had to do that created this enormous burden that he couldn't carry. He had a wrong idea of what growing up is. You see, God doesn't come to us as an angry parent or a frustrated spouse and says, when are you going to grow up? He comes to us as a loving, generous father that says, when are you going to grow up? Because growing isn't about acquiring. It's about Receiving. Look at verse 11. We have so much to say about this. And if you read the first few chapters of Hebrews, they're talking about Jesus. There's so much we want to tell you about who Christ is as a high priest. There's so much you need to know. So much God wants to pour into you. But it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. You need milk. Here's what he's saying to them. There's so much God wants to deposit in you, but he can't. Because you're not in a position to receive it. The position you're in is a position of milk. The really riches of heaven, the revelation of God, you've got to be in a position of meat in order to be able to receive that. They're not in that position. When my 18-year-old daughter was, I don't know, a year or so, we went out to this really nice steak restaurant. And I remember ordering a really nice steak, and she's on the end in her high chair. And she's got these unbelievably disgusting mashed carrots. Because that's what little infants eat. 
And I remember sitting there with my steak and watching her with her mashed carrots. And all I can think about is, I am so glad I am not you. Because she is eating this despicable kind of food. I went out to a steak with my daughter a few months ago. And she ordered this massive steak. And she was just devouring it. And she loved it. And I thought, that's the picture this author is creating. Some of us are on that mashed carrot. Because that's all we can digest. And God wants to give us riches beyond our imagination. Revelation and truth. But you can't do it when you're on milk. So as this loving, generous father, he says, there's so much I want to give you. When are you going to grow up so I can? You feel like you missed out on something in 2008? You feel like there was just something more of God and of Jesus that somehow you weren't able to tap into? It may have been a good year, it may have been a difficult year, but when you look at it from a spiritual perspective, you just get the sense that I didn't capture everything God may have had for me. And it may be that's because you were on milk. And the true riches that He wants to deposit into you as a generous Father demands that you got to be on meat a bit. And so from heaven, in grace and in love, with no condemnation, He whispers, when are you going to grow up? What are you missing out on? Because you're not in that place to receive it. When I was a sophomore in university, I attended this small church and there was maybe 15, 20 teenagers in the church. The pastor came to me because the church didn't have a youth group. And he said, Joel, would you be the youth pastor? And I looked at my life and I was busy and I was in school and I was having friends and doing stuff. And then I thought, teenagers, oh God, no. And I said, no, I don't want to be the youth pastor. A friend of mine who was in school with me, then the pastor went to him. And asked him, do you want to be the youth pastor? And he said, yeah, I'll be the youth pastor. He repositioned himself. And I'll never forget a year later, sitting down with my friend over dinner, and we're talking and reflecting over the year. And I discovered that he had grown so much. Because now he was in a place where he had repositioned himself, where he had to understand the word and watch how God would work through him as he deposited himself in these kids. He had to have a level of faith as he was giving to them and working with teenagers. His prayer life went through the roof. All of these things, he had grown up so much because he had repositioned himself. He had received so much more. And I looked at my life, and I hadn't backslid. But I hadn't received the riches he had received. I knew I had missed out on something because I wasn't willing to reposition myself. And I stayed kind of on a milk or mashed carrots while he was able to move to meat. What are you missing out on? Because you're still on milk, and in order to really get the riches of heaven, you got to be on meat. Just recently, even my wife and I, we've been talking together about this. And we've been married for 21 years, and we love each other. We've got this wonderful marriage. But we thought, you know, is there more that God wants to give us as a husband and wife? And we share our faith together, but we don't as a husband and wife every day intensely pray together. You know, spend time really praying together intensely. We pray together, but not like that. And we said, you know what? We've got to reposition ourselves this year. We have to make that kind of a commitment. Because in doing that, we're going to grow up and we're going to receive what we haven't received yet in the past. My daughter came to me a year ago. She was a junior in high school at the time, and she said, Dad, I feel like I'm not growing much anymore. Do you have some books I can read, or should I read a different version of the Bible, or what should I do? And I thought about this passage back then, and I said, Rachel, maybe you need to reposition yourself. Do something different. She began to think about her friends. She goes to public school. She's got a lot of friends who are not 
Christ followers, a few that are. She set up this kind of gathering once every few weeks. They get together at a Starbucks or something. And she just kind of opens the word and shares her faith with them. That took a radical, bold step. But she repositioned herself. Talked to her six months later and her growth was off the charts. Why? Because now she had to trust God. Now she had to hear from Him. Now she got to watch how He would work through her as she was repositioned. She received so much meat. And if you're like me, you look back at last year and you say, you know, God was good, but I wonder if I missed out on some stuff that He had for me. Because I was still a little bit too much on milk. And He wants me to grow to a place of meat where He can give me all that He wants to give me. And I hear Him whisper, when are you going to grow up? You see, I think sometimes we wrongly think, we have this idea, if I receive, 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 then I'll grow up. And although there's a portion of truth to that, the flip side is very important. When I grow, then I can receive. But if I don't grow, then I can't really receive. I'm not in a place to be able to receive that. Here's what God says in 2 Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord scan across the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. It's like God is looking over the earth and He's looking. Where's the Christian who is really growing? Where's the Christian whose heart is fully committed to me? Because wherever that person is, I'm going to dump myself into them. I'm going to strengthen their heart. I'm going to fully reveal myself to them. Why? Pretend you're God. And you look at this world and all of its problems. And how removed from your love this world is. And you got one plan. I'm going to love this world through my children. That's all I'm going to do. So you look across this earth and you look for those who are ready and fully committed to love this world in that way. Whose lives will result in the greatest meaning and purpose being used by God. Where are you going to give your power? Where are you going to give your revelation? Where are you going to give your ministry? Where are you going to give your authority? Where are you going to give your grace? Where are you going to give your peace that passes all understanding to those Christians who have grown up to a place where their hearts are fully committed to them because you know you can work through them? And if you're like me and you look back at last year and you say, God, I'm so grateful for all your blessings, but there's something in the corner of my heart that says there's more of you that I missed out on. There's just something that Jesus wanted to give me that I didn't capture last year. Hear the whisper from heaven. When are you going to grow up? Because when you do, it is about receiving what God has for you. If you repositioned yourself financially, begin to give biblically, what would you receive from God, from heaven this year? If you repositioned yourself with your friends and walked across the street and began to just share faith or even invite them to church, what kind of miracle power would you see work through you as they come to Christ? If you repositioned yourself and began to serve in one of the ministries of the church, that that meaningless kind of hole where you wonder, what's my life about? How would you see God divinely fill that? You know, this is a Sunday when you have an opportunity to sign up for a life group, and many of you have participated in that. But some of you have never done that. And maybe for you, as an individual or as a couple, repositioning yourself is saying, this year, let's grow up a bit, and let's see what God will receive, give us, that we can receive by doing this kind of thing. When are you going to grow up? How does all of this happen? How do you actually grow up? You see, it's one thing to have a wrong idea like the Pharisees of what growing up is. 
It's another thing to actually have a wrong idea as to how you go about growing up. Look at verse 14. Because Hebrew says this, Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Growing does not come by hearing. It comes by doing. God's not looking for us to be passive experts in theology and His Word. He's looking for us to be active learners. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. Let me put it to you this way. I'll ask you a question. What's the most important lesson you've ever learned in your life? Think about that for a second. Of all the lessons of life, what is the most important lesson you've ever learned? Now, if I was to ask you a follow-up question, where did you learn it? Very few of us would say, oh, in church on Sunday morning, in the university classroom or the high school classroom. Most of us would say, you know where I learned the most important lesson? Doing life, living it out there. That's why Hebrews says, listen, the solid food, the mature, by constant use, by doing something, that's how they begin to really grow. And the challenge for us, as great as it is to pray and read your Bible and come to church, do those things, the challenge for us is to reposition our life. God, what should I do differently that will put me in a different place where I can receive what you have for me because I am growing So a 16-year-old boy who's at a birthday party every year, but this year says, I'm going to have a party, I'm going to invite all my friends, but don't bring me any gifts. Just bring money, because we're going to take that money and give it to students in Zambia who can't afford any school supplies. Repositions himself, and he repositions his culture with his friends. And because of that, he grows and receives. A husband and wife or a doctor and a nurse move out of their safe suburbs and they move into the inner city where they begin to work in a clinic for poor people living in the urban areas. They literally reposition themselves vocationally. And because they do that, by constant use, they grow and they receive what they could have never imagined God could show them by this repositioning. An individual who lives in a nice neighborhood decides to reposition his relationships and he simply goes across the street and begins to talk to people about Jesus in a nice, healthy, appropriate way, inviting them to church. And he repositions his relationships and he grows and he receives what he never could have imagined because now he's on meat, not on milk. Growing comes by doing And the challenge for us is to say, in this year, God, what is it you want me to do? You know, some of us make New Year's resolutions, and you know, it's what, January 11th? So we're all done with that now. We've moved that out of the way, right? (laughs) What's the repositioning you want me to do for your kingdom's sake that will cause me to grow, that I can receive what you have for me? If the role model's not the Pharisee, who's the role model? The disciples come to Jesus, and I'm sure they ask this question. If we're not supposed to follow these Pharisees who have the list and do it all perfectly, who do we follow? And Jesus, in his brilliance, grabs this little kid and brings him into the midst and says, here's your role model. And I'm sure the disciples kind of freak out. What is he talking about? Don't follow the spiritual leaders, the religious leaders, but follow this little infant child, this child. That's our role model. How is a child a role model for spiritual growth? Because if you know anything about little children, they haven't yet learned to be afraid of public appearance. And they have a boldness. I'm a big fan of the Beatles, and when my daughter was just a couple years old, 
She'd hear me play the Beatles a lot, and we had this pastor and his wife over to our house for dinner, and this guy was really conservative. He came to a Friday night dinner in a necktie and suit. That's how conservative this guy was. Really nice man of God, but just very conservative, traditional guy. So we're having dinner, we're sitting in our living room, and all of a sudden my year-and-a-half, two-year-old daughter comes running down the stairs into the, our midst, and she's got a spoon for a microphone, and she's got a pair of shades on, and all she has on is a diaper, and she starts singing, Love, love me do, you know I love you, right to this guy in the necktie. My wife puts her hands in her face, and I just start laughing. I just bust out laughing. Because I know Lisa is doing this for one reason, to make her dad smile. That's why she did it as a child. That's why Jesus says it's not the Pharisee, it's the child. Because children delight in pleasing their parents when they're little. In making their dad smile. (laughs) Then they grow up to be Pharisees like us. (laughs) Catch the contrast? When are you going to grow up? Not to be a Pharisee. But when are you going to grow up to be a child? You see, I think the real battle inside of us is not the battle between being a sinner and a saint. I think it's the battle between being a Pharisee and a child. This is illustrated in John chapter 12. Listen to this. Many, even among the leaders, believed Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. So there's leaders like you and I, and they believe Jesus. But because they're in the synagogue and their identity is wrapped up in that, they won't praise and acknowledge the faith that they have in Jesus because they know what it will cost them. And it's as if the author says, listen, life is like this scale, a balance scale. And on one side of the scale, you got praise from men, how you fit into this society. And on the other side, you got praise from God. The commendation of man or the commendation of God. And every decision you make weighs this scale. For these people, the scale was tilted towards the commendation of men, so they wouldn't acknowledge their faith in Jesus. So you hear this sermon about, when are you going to grow up? Reposition yourself. You say, okay, Monday, I'm going to go to work. And in the appropriate way, I'm going to begin to share my faith. Here's the scale. Commendation of men. Will they think I'm a freak? Will I be passed over for a promotion because now I'm seen as a religious fanatic? Will people shun me and want to stay away from me because it's awkward? Commendation of God. What will my father think of me if I begin to talk about him? in my workplace. And it's this scale. And God says, when are you going to grow up? Because when you do, you have no idea what I'll put into you. Somehow, miraculously, you find that you've got an excess of five, six hundred bucks. Here's the scale. What do I do with that? Well, there's some nice things I could really use in my house. New TV, stuff like that. Commendation of man. I wonder what God would think if I gave that money to his kingdom, to the poor, to the hurting, so that the gospel could go out there. Commendation of man. And everything is this scale between the commendation of God and the commendation of man. And which one weighs more in your mind as you move forward. And that scale determines whether or not you'll reposition yourself and whether or not you'll grow up. So I'm going to go across the street and talk to my neighbor about Christ this year. For their good and for my good. Here's the scale. Commendation of man. Oh, it may change the neighborhood a little bit. 
They may think I'm a little strange. They may, you know, that we're, things are peaceful now. Commendation of God. And in John, it points this picture of this balance scale. They weren't able to make the decision to reposition themselves that would cause them to grow and receive all that God has for them. Again, if you're like me, you looked at 08 and you were grateful for everything God did, but somewhere deep in your heart you thought, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to this faith thing. There's got to be more about Jesus that I don't, haven't quite captured yet. And as you move into 09 and you move all of the list kinds of New Year's resolutions out of the way, hear a whisper from heaven that says, when are you going to grow up? Because as long as you're on milk, you can only get so much from me. But if you move to solid food, that's for the mature. Then you have no idea what I could give you. But you know what? This is your responsibility. It says in Hebrews, they have trained themselves So the church is here to support, to serve, but this is not Pastor Mark's responsibility, Pastor Lathan's responsibility. This is your call. If you choose to grow or not to grow. For solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. The Hebrews had lost interest. They'd kind of gotten settled as to where they were in their faith. They were satisfied. By this time you should be teachers, but you still need milk. Do you know that milk physiologically actually quenches thirst? When the Bible says we need to hunger and thirst. And there's a point where we have to get intentional about our spiritual diet. Otherwise it won't happen. But that intentionality... Is not to turn into a Pharisee, and it's not just to become a, an, an expert, but it's actually go out and do something different. There is a time for milk. And then there's a time to move past milk. And our loving, generous Father in Heaven, not an angry parent like all of us heard when we were growing up, and not a frustrated spouse like some of us here for the stupid things we do, but a loving, generous Father, who has an abundance that He wants to pour into you, it's out of that heart He says, when are you going to grow up? So that when you come to the end of 2009, you won't have that kind of empty feeling that says, I think I missed something. I think there was something more about Jesus and about faith I could have grabbed a hold of. This year, no. I'm going to reposition myself. Whatever that looks like for every one of us to be able to grow up. When are you going to grow up? What life, what year are you waiting for? My kids, I got one who's in junior high school. She's so eager to grow up. She can't wait to grow up. Because as she grows up, you know what takes place? She gets a lot more freedom. She gets to drive. She gets more authority. She makes more decisions in her life. She gets treated like an adult. She begins to become all she was meant to be, even as she's thinking now about what kind of career she wants. She begins to grow into all of that. So in her mind, she's thinking, I can't wait to grow up. And maybe you and I should have that same approach. You know what? The world desperately needs grown-up Christians. They need Christians who rise above the petty arguments. They need Christians who aren't caught up in the materialism. They need Christians who look beyond all of the abuses. They need Christians who have forgiveness and grace and love pouring out of them. The world is full of immaturity. And it desperately needs grown-up Christians who has God poured into them. And so he looks over the earth, searching for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
so that He can strengthen them and pour Himself into them. And I pray that if you're like me, and in your inventory of OA, you had that kind of sense that maybe there was a bit more. You'll hear that gentle, loving whisper from heaven. When are you going to grow up? And you'll do something this year that repositions yourself for that growth. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you love us. And that your one desire in loving us is to bless us. More than anything, you want to be one with us. You want to show yourself to us. There is so much you want to give us. But we have a responsibility, Lord. I pray today you would protect every person here. Protect their heart, protect their mind from any condemnation, any false guilt. That we wouldn't hear an angry parent or a frustrated spouse, but we would hear a loving Father in Heaven who desires to give us so much of Himself. And for those of us who need to hear that question, would you direct us? Even as we go into the lobby and sign up for a life group, as we go back to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, wherever it may be, Lord God, would you direct us that from your word we would reposition ourselves? That in 09 we would do something different with the boldness of a child that would cause us to grow and we would receive from you. Thank you, Lord, that you are a loving Father who has so much for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion this morning. And in preparation for that this morning, Pastor Joel has very clearly challenged each one of us today to grow up in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with his people. And I want to, this morning, also issue a challenge to us. As we're growing up, in the process of growing up, there's a beginning point. There's a beginning point. Before you can grow, you've got to be born. In fact, physically, when we, we grow, but we have to be born physically. Come into the world and born. And the same thing is spiritually. As we to grow spiritually and being challenged to grow spiritually, there's a beginning point. And that beginning point is, as Jesus said, you must be born again. So how does that happen? You may say, well, Pastor Lathan, how, how does that happen? Well, in a few moments, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray a very simple prayer. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray that prayer with me. And there's some here this morning that have never prayed that prayer for the very, have never prayed that prayer. And this will be the first time. But you're feeling something in your heart. You're feeling the words that have been spoken this morning and the presence of, the, of, of God and the Holy Spirit nudging you. And you responding this morning for the very first time. So how does it happen? How am I born again? How does it start? Well, it happens as we individually receive Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation that's how it happens it's an individual decision you see no one can do it for you no person no parent no pastor no parish no pope no one can do it for you only you you're the only one that can make the decision the choice to receive that gift well what is this gift well let me describe it this way in the words of a chorus and it goes like this. It says this. He paid a debt 
he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. God's favor. Amazing grace all day long. Jesus Christ paid the debt that I could never pay. That's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus Christ died in our place. He was our substitute, your substitute, my substitute. He suffered the death penalty debt for you and for me. And offered to us forgiveness, friendship, lordship. And all we need to do, all you need to do this morning, is to admit your need. And say yes. And say yes. And how we do that is again by just simply taking the opportunity of praying this prayer. So we're going to offer that to you this morning. In a moment, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer and invite again all of us to pray it with me and to repeat it after me. And as you do so, and ask God to forgive you of your sin, repent of your sin, God's Word says that He comes, that He comes and by faith cleanses you of all unrighteousness and you experience what Jesus referred to as being born again. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I invite all of us this morning just to pray this very simple prayer. Repeat it after me. And again, if you're praying it this morning for the very first time, there's going to change will happen in your life, in your heart, as you receive Jesus into your life as your personal Savior. Repeat this prayer after me this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin. I repent of my sin. And by faith, ask you to come into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, as my God. Amen.